Welcome, everybody, to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I am Teddy Schleifer. It is Monday, July 25th, and that means it's Media Monday. Editor-in-Chief John Kelly is in the house, and we're here to talk about Ari Emanuel's abs. Not really, but kinda. Other topics include why Jay Carney is moving from Amazon to Airbnb, and what happened in my first intramural basketball game last night. We'll hear about topics like that and more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. This podcast is proudly supported by Netflix, presenting The Gentleman. The new series from Guy Ritchie stars Emmy nominee Theo James, Kaya Scodelario, and Daniel Ings. Eddie Horniman, played by Theo James, unexpectedly inherits his father's estate, only to discover it's part of a cannabis empire. And Britain's criminal underworld wants a piece of the operation, forcing Eddie to play the gangsters at their own game. Now available only on Netflix. Welcome, everybody, back to The Powers That Be. We're here with John Kelly, our editor for Media Monday. Hey, John. Hi, Teddy. How's it going? I'm good. We just published a piece by our our media correspondent and senior abs uh, observer, Dylan Byers. A very important piece for folks who are trying to understand uh, the inside conversation in Hollywood and Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and Washington. And that is about Ari Emanuel's abs, really the inside conversation this week. John, do you want to just like give a, a quick backstory to, um, I'm curious what, what your reaction was when Dylan told you that he had this scintillating inside reporting on the Ari Emanuel body. You know, not, not every story, Teddy, as you know, something's come together in a pretty straightforward way. This one actually has a backstory. I think these photos posted to TMZ during our Monday uh, afternoon team call, right? Right. Loyal readers of the backstory will know that uh, there's always some sort of great activity happening on Puck Slack. We have these two meetings on Monday. One is a, a business performance one run through and the other is a sort of more creative meeting. And, and that meeting was winding down and all of a sudden it was just a, a showstopper. And I feel like it was impossible for anyone to pay attention to anything because as Teddy, you know well, Ari Emanuel does not look like your average run-of-the-mill 61-year-old guy. I mean, that guy is stacked. And he also looks like he's very comfortable manipulating a yacht hose um, in in foreign territory. I actually am going to take the minority view here, though, and suggest that I thought Elon Musk looked all right. I think I think he looked strong. He, he looked like he probably could lose a few here or there. I'm not body shaving him, and, and please, nobody. Like, like don't, don't at ag- me about Don't aggregate this. this. Don't at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't <laughs> at me. <laughs> Um, but I thought that he actually lo- looked like a guy who, uh, like a, a football player who was, you know, maybe a couple months out of shape. But yes, the world has gone crazy. And so here's what happened next. I got an unsolicited text message from a senior media figure who I will not name here saying 2,000 words on Ari, question mark. I said, okay. oh, come on, enough. And then this person persisted. And I said, all right, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if there's much to say here. The guy looks great for his age. He just got married. You know, like at, at Puck, we appreciate uh, athleticism and love. And, and he's got it all going on here. And anyway, uh, after a couple of days, no joke, this 
topic of conversation came up like a bazillion times. And uh, it had come up to Dylan a bazillion times. And at that point, the horse was off to the races and there, there was no reading it back in. For folks who have not who have not read uh, the story yet, it includes uh, details such as his, uh, what, what type of smoothie he has, which is a kale-charged spinach avocado smoothie. John, our, our friend uh, Brian Morrissey, uh, I saw this on Twitter earlier today, made a good point, um, which is that, a, well, A, Brian doesn't really believe that uh, this is this is Ari's actual diet and, and seems to think <laughs> there's a little bit of mythologizing here. But he made a good point. He said, he said, I think he could just do more planks and pull-ups and get 80% of the way there and live a far more normal life. There is like an element of, I mean, I read this uh, with my Silicon Valley glasses on and, and you know, th- there is an element of, of kind of tech Titan, right. you know, Ari's not the cryogenic tech. therapy. Yeah, just people who are, who are obsessed with these, you know, like getting eighty percent of the way there in in sort of biohacking is not good enough, right? Mm-hmm. There's a, a difference between good and great, and that you know it requires living not a far more normal life. It requires doing crazy shit like uh, <laughs> Ari is alleged to be doing, such as waking up at two thirty a.m. Yeah, that's the most compelling detail is the 2.30 a.m., then the meditation, then the sauna. Right. But that, that, that's always a part of like the Silicon Valley, like success machine, you know, autobiographies, you know. Mm-hmm. Eric Schmidt wakes up at 3.35 a.m. I mean, there's there's an element of like, I know Ari, I'm sure, did not want this out there, but obviously it makes him look extraordinarily driven. And West Coast people also do tend to wake up much earlier in order to, to be involved, especially when they're running businesses in New York. In Europe, and and full disclosure, uh, Puck is a uh, WME client. That's a, a division of uh, of Endeavor, the the public entity that he runs. But anyway, the, the guy looks great. The thing that actually has been the most interesting to me is uh, his abs are so chiseled that people have forgotten the the man who he's hosing down, who happens to be the the wealthiest man in the world, who's involved in in probably right. the most recognizable litigation case. Um, you know, since I don't know when. Um, only a, a few days ago, we found out that the Delaware Chancery Court is not going to listen to Elon Musk's protestations to delay the trial, elongate the trial. They're saying, no, we're going to do it and it's going to be short and we're going to get right to it. And of course, the the chancellor who is overseeing this case, uh, Kathleen St. Jude McCormick, she recently adjudicated a much smaller but similar case and, and enforced the transaction. So I have two questions for you, Teddy. First of all, I just want you to make a prediction about what you think is going to happen, whether this is going to close or settle. Okay. And I also want to know if the if the sort of flavor um, or, or the taste for Musk in Silicon Valley, in the world that you cover, has changed. If he's gone too far here, I've heard that his family members are sort of annoyed by this. They didn't want him to go through with it. And, and this is all an unnecessary pain in the neck. So I wonder if his, if his peer group is also uh, rolling their eyes or even uh, yawning a bit more than that. Well, as a uh, expert Delawarean, someone who is knows too much about Delaware Chancery Court, including uh, we'll see. This is I'm from Dover, Delaware. For folks who are not long-term listeners to Pot, I'm like our CEO uh, Joe Perchicki, who's from Wilmington, Delaware. We all have different uh, divisions of the Chancery Court, which I will uh, that'll be on the uh, powers that be inner circle call next for anyone who's super interested in Delaware Chancery Court. Yeah, for the Delaware media market only, <laughs> yes, I think. Yes, There actually is no Delaware media market. It's only Philly and Baltimore. I would be shocked if this actually went to court. As Bill Kine has written, you know, there's clearly a lot of numbers between one and 44 or between one and whatever Twitter's market cap ends up at the end of this trial. The argument that that Twitter is shrouded in uncertainty, you don't, you don't need to go to Harvard Law School. That, that makes perfect sense, which was sort of the crux of the decision we saw this week. Just put yourself in the shoes of, you know, 
a 33-year-old PM at Twitter right now. I mean, I mean, you have no idea, is this company going to be totally transformed under a new CEO? Or is it going, are we going back to the 2018 era of Twitter where, you know, things were relatively normal? Maybe it wasn't surging on the stock market, but you had a normal nine to five or, or whatever existence. It seems patently obvious that this company needs closure or, or certainty. So an expedited trial in October feels like, in theory, uh, the right decision. Though I, I, I imagine there will be a lot of calls between lawyers in September and October trying to find a number between one and 44. As much as I want people to visit Dover, Delaware, um, I don't think it's going to happen. How about you? First and foremost, you know, as you know, Teddy, Puck has shared a block with Twitter for about a month and change in Chelsea. I don't think I've seen a soul walk into that building. So if Elon does go through with this transaction, my first piece of advice would be to sell the place, even in a um, even in a soft market. I think Twitter in in SF is in the old Chronicle building, right? No, they're, they're, Twitter has a uh, has a very controversial building in, in the Civic Center area, which was paved through with extraordinary tax breaks in like around 2011. Okay. Elon had tweeted about turning into a homeless shelter because he thinks oh, right. that no one's actually going into the office anyway. <laughs> That's funny. Well, yes, I agree with you. I, I actually don't think it's going to even get to the um, to this hearing. I, I, I think that they'll settle before. Uh, one of the things I'm very curious about, and this is a sort of semi-prediction or extemporized suggestion, is I wonder if He'll find a way to behave more favorably about the company, see if the the stock price is going up now, now that um, mm. th- there's going to be a trial. It seems like these ARBs who bought Twitter expecting the deal are now optimistic and maybe more people who, who you know, who bought in at, at, when it was, you know, hitting its low in, in 30 are, are coming back now. And so I think the spread is shrinking. I wonder if there's any any way to, to shrink it further. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm not suggesting any way that he do anything manipulative that the SEC would find problematic. But uh, it seems like the spread is shrinking and it's going to shrink to the point where this is probably a manageable loss for him. And when you're that ungodly wealthy, I presume that uh, a, a multi-billion dollar uh, penalty has some sort of... Uh, positive tax avoidance upside somewhere else in his portfolio. John, let's take a quick break and we'll come back after this. This podcast is proudly supported by Netflix, presenting the new series, The Gentleman. Theo James, Kaya Scodelario, and Daniel Ings star in what the playlist calls an entertaining crime comedy filled with style, panache, and laughs. The Evening Standard raves, the gentleman is peak Guy Ritchie, impossible not to love. Now available only on Netflix. Hey guys, it's Peter. When I'm not recording the pod, let's be honest, I'm probably snacking. I get hungry. But when I can steal some moments during the day, I do like to eat healthy. And eating better is easy with Factors, delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. And this is big, no cooking required. I recommend the smoothies. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. These are two-minute meals. Fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are 
are. Pancakes, I love pancakes. More than waffles, more than French toast. A couple of my favorites so far, the red chili chicken tamale bowl and the smoky bacon and cheddar egg bites. I love egg bites. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. So sign up and save. Head to factormeals.com slash powers that be 50 and use code powers that be 50 to get 50% off. That's code powers that be 50 at factormeals.com slash powers that be 50 to get 50% off. We're back here on the powers that be with John Kelly from Media Monday. John, someone who is not on the boat, um, as we shift as shift our gaze, <laughs> shift our gaze to there's really the haves and the haves nots. There's the folks in the boat <laughs> and, and and the folks who are. One day, Teddy. One day, Jay Carney, who is as much of a, a powers that be character as there possibly could be. Someone who has had a successful career in lots of different power corners of American society and journalism, in government, and for the last five years, Carney's been a pretty high profile figure. I feel like you know his his tenure as sort of the political and policy Sherpa to Jeff Bezos as the head of government affairs and external relations at Amazon. Jay Carney is now stepping down. The news was broken today to do basically the same job at Airbnb. There are a lot of crossovers between Amazon and Airbnb, sort of these two-sided marketplace businesses. A lot, a lot of execs, even when Airbnb was private, that would leave Amazon and go over there. There may be some board crossovers too. I'm not remembering exactly. But Carney is, I don't know, I'm curious if you've had any interactions with him just over the years, but he is, you know, he was an aggressive guy at Amazon. Like, you know, he, you know, Bezos, when when, he, when Carney took that job at the end of the Obama era, like Bezos was not this target of the left in the way that he is today. I mean, Amazon was a smaller company, just straight up. And it makes me think about what this move means uh, in sort of the big picture of highly choreographed, closely scrutinized PR moves. There are a few people who have more experience or higher profile than Jay Carney. Yeah, Jay Carney's interesting for a bunch of reasons. You're right. He was a sort of mid-level reporter at time in the Mark Halperin era. You know, I think he he maybe, I'm sure someone would would roll their eyes at mid-level, but he was, uh, I think he was the White House correspondent. You know, he was a very connected journalist, but but he was not Maggie Haberman, I guess, for for lack of a, a better term. I don't know him, but I knew a bazillion people who worked there and worked with him. And it was stunning when he went to work for Biden first, I believe, and then eventually got elevated to be press secretary. And in lame duck era Obama, I'm not taking anything away from the guy, but it, it, this wasn't like he wasn't Robert Gibbs. You know, he he worked through the system. And you're totally right that when he got to Amazon, everything was different. Amazon was different. It, it, I don't think it had even owned Whole Foods yet. And Jeff Bezos was like ostensibly this happily married guy. So uh, I, Carney's public profile changed significantly when the sort of dick pic photo um, saga happened. And I believe he worked with Jeff Bezos, or I, I can't imagine a world in which he didn't work with Jeff Bezos to write that that medium post that made all these, you know, maybe it was a, a window into the sort of writer Jay Carney was, all these sort of... Um, not entirely founded allegations about the vast, you know, conspiracy, political conspiracy against Bezos. He uh, referred to all of this as a complexifier, which was a, right. a word he made up that, that I uh, immediately fell in love with. It's just like a, a totally um, bit of like, you know, post-Arcana bullshit that was, um, I guess, a sort of seven-figure uh, rabbit out of a hat. I don't know what Carney's skill is, but but this is a skill of a of an entire class. We, we were talking before the show about Chris Lehane, 
who was the um, right. the Clinton Gore era person who had this job before. He's now working for Katie Hahn. The, the shop uh, at Airbnb um, before that Carney's taken. Excuse me. Yes, right. Um, and I, I think Carney would would correct us both if we said that he was a PR guy because he's not. It's, it's messaging and policy. I, I don't know what that means precisely. What, what I think it means generally based on the people I know in this world and, and, and Jeff Morrell, the person who left Disney, would, would be a sort of, you know, probably lesser paid peer to this is you spend a lot of time with the boss. You help the public shape the perception of them and you also help them shape their perception of the public. And so mm. I was not surprised to see this move because Bezos has now ascended to a new a new realm and a new place in his life. Andy Jassy's the CEO of Amazon and he wants his guy. The same way that, you know, Bob Iger was closely managed for his entire tenure by uh, by Zinnia. And when Bob Iger left, Bob Chapek wanted his own person. I you know, I think everyone will tell you he handled it very imperfectly. Zinnia Mucha, I think I may be mispronouncing your name, was um, respected and feared in the business. And he hired somebody um, who had no experience in entertainment and, and seemed like he was very turned on by some of the soft charms of working at Disney. So anyway, th that's the point that the connection between principal and PR, comms, policy, body man, extraordinaire is everything. And I presume this is this is a Brian Chesky move. He's met him. He feels comfortable with him. And if you're Jay Carney, he's probably thinking, okay, this is a guy who's like 40, you know, um, maybe, maybe just north of 40. Yep. And he's going to, you know, be his guy for the next 10, 15, you know, 20 years, however long Brian Chesky still wants to run Airbnb before, you know, he's building his own rocket ship company or whatever. Right. I know Obama and Chesky are actually pretty close. And, and you know, Chesky is someone who I think sees the, you know, center left kind of political class as, you know, he admires them. Um, so mm -hmm. it makes sense from, from the Chesky perspective as well. Carney had some real kind of screwball moments at, at Amazon where he would you know, he he still tweets in a personal capacity, whatever that means, you know, where Carney would, I don't know if you remember this, John, where Carney was like making fun of one of the umpires during the World Series, maybe two or three hmm. years ago, where he was like tweeting that he was like some like fat, overweight, speaking of people, speaking of body shaming, Carney was tweeting about that. And, he, and, and like, you, you could think like, who cares about Jay Carney's tweet at, you know, 1030 PM in a personal capacity. But when you are mm. head of public relations or policy or at Amazon, like, Oh no! Yeah, that's that's an own goal. That's crazy. I think I recall Amazon just like officially apologized for Carney's like eleven thirty p.m. tweet about some oh hump God. in the World Series. You know, and you know Amazon also had a number of tweets going back and forth with member of Congress about whether or not Amazon drivers had to pee in bottles or not, and Carney was really involved with that. So like, I think you know Amazon became obviously very aggressive as scrutiny increased on them, and sometimes it seemed a little bit too torqued up. And Airbnb is, you know, always sort of trying to position himself in Silicon Valley as like the nice guys, right? Chesky is like very well liked. They benefited for a long time of being in the same generation as Uber. And it was often Uber and Airbnb. So Chesky could be the anti-Travis Kalanick, which helped. But, you know, Airbnb is also still even, you know, a decade plus into their existence, like still fighting with cities all the time, um, especially internationally. You know this well, Teddy, but when you talk to incredibly successful CEOs who've run disruptive companies, they actually don't think about politics the way we do, where it's big government, small government, social issues. They tend to, besides Peter Thiel and a few others, all generally agree on a number of set issues. They're fighting for uh, ways to grow their businesses. And, um, and they tend to think that people who 
disagree with them, just don't understand the world in the enlightened capacity that they do. So I think any bit of baggage that Jay Carney has is, is obviously an advantage to, to someone like Brian Chesky, who you're yep. right, has cultivated this image as, as a good guy. I think he went to RISD of all places. Correct. Like he's, he's, yes. not, he's not cut from the same cloth as many of these other characters. Also an extremely fit guy, by the way. Um, Former collegiate bodybuilder, if I recall. Right. So, so Ari, look out here. Um, we'll, we'll see you both at the Puck Triathlon. But I, I think that they, they need bruisers. This is why guys like Bradley Tusk and Chris Lehane, who are used to waging very public battles, um, why they're, they're comfortable in that role. And it, it's not for the faint of heart. And as, uh, as Don Draper once famously said, this is one of my favorite quotes, that's what the money's for. John, I'll let you go. Uh, hope you had a great weekend. And um, any any final thoughts about the NBA offseason before? Yeah, so Teddy, yeah, we, we decided we were going to talk about this quickly. I, we did this last year in an untaped episode that, that you pointed to in a, in a moment when it looked like the Miami Heat had a chance to go the distance. And I, I sort of cut off your knees there. I've pointed this out multiple times. Predictions that don't turn out to be true are, are often considered uh, incorrect. But um, where is Durant going? Well, the, the Knicks signed Donovan Mitchell. And I would like to know the um, the 2023 NBA champion. I think Durant stays with the Nets. I think that the the, the at the end of this, the, the, the trade value that the Nets are going to expect, Durant is on the Nets at the start of the season. Um, mm. I think there's there's not that many people who can put together a package that would be good enough to get you know a top five NBA player. And you know Kyrie resigning. I know Durant made the made his intent to be traded public right after Kyrie signed, but I have a feeling that they're going to start winning games. Durant's going to see an NBA championship in the offing and, and stick around. I mean, that's just, that's going to be good. I mean, Kyrie didn't play half the season last year. Um, NBA champion, I think, I think is the Bucks. I think they made good offseason moves. I think Giannis is still the best player in the NBA. I think they sort of got rough exit last round because of Middleton being injured in the entire series of the Eastern Conference Finals. I think the Bucks are the best team in the NBA, and I don't actually think it's particularly close. I agree completely. Uh, I, I'm I'm stunned. Uh, this is okay. um, I'm on both those points. You. This is great on both those points. Yes, okay. absolutely. I, I think um, I actually think that the Bucks also have assets to make a, a midseason trade. And um, this sounds crazy, but I would not be shocked if Russell Westbrook ends up on the Bucks and actually is a, a net positive addition. Oh, really? Okay. Just got to shoot yeah. no shots a game. They still have ten shots that they can distribute um, for, especially for nights when, when when Middleton thinks he's the top ten player, uh, which is often. My, my indoor basketball league started last night. I'm, I'm on a team with with four other people, all of whom are friends with each other. Um, and I am like the one person who's not in this friend group. So basically last night in my game, for people on my team who are listening to this podcast, which is of course all of them, I did not get the ball much. I'll just say that. I think I was getting some Russell Westbrook treatment. No passes. I think I shot the ball twice. Well, we know you're not a ringer, I guess. Yeah. The problem is don't be on a team with people who are friends with each other because um, you know they're all shit talking to me the next day. Um, <laughs> all right, John, let's have a good week. All right. Thanks, Teddy. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Peter Hamby. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, and Chris Corcoran, chief content officer and founding partner of Cadence 13.
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.